My name is Matt Brown. Yo, boss ain't Golden Gates. Those who fake, they break. When they need their 400 pound weight, you gotta rule the world. Let us start the show. I'm a college man. I won't need my high school diploma anymore. I am too smart. I am too smart. I am too smart. I am too smart. S-M-R-T. I mean S-M-A-R-T. a better place because you are here to join us. My name is Matt Brown, and I am the host of the Productive Conversations podcast. It is a special Wednesday edition of the Productive Conversations podcast. We have a bonus show this week, and that show is today, and we have an incredible guest named Christopher Daly on the show. Before I get into this incredible human being, I just wanted to say and remind you guys to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasting platforms and YouTube, and feel free to leave a review. All criticism, positive and constructive, is welcomed. Also wanted to remind you all to check out our website, ProductiveConversationsPodcast.com, and see the exclusive content that we have to offer there. All our podcasts are there, all our videos, blogs written by me, and it is a great place to be and check out this amazing show we have. Thanks to the greatest listeners in the world for making it possible. And also on that website, you can see the merchandise store that we have. Thanks to our friends at Zazzle, we have a merchandise store with amazing things to offer and buy regarding the Productive Conversations podcast website, whether it's our amazing trucker hats, whether it's our really chill regular hats. We have incredible apparel from very comfy sweaters, a bunch of great t-shirts for the warm weather that is coming, and amazing drinkware, office supplies. We have something for everyone. Thanks to our friends at Zazzle. And you know what's another great thing about Zazzle? They always offer a promo code. No matter what, there's always a promo code on that site. Just go to the website, check out what they have to offer. Each item will have a special promo code with it. And yeah, take advantage of the amazing promo codes. Sometimes it's 15% off. Sometimes it's 20% off. Sometimes it's as much as 50% off. So when you go to Zazzle and look at our amazing items, check out the promo code underneath the item and shop your way into a world of betterment thanks to our amazing merchandise of the Productive Conversations podcast. Thanks to our friends at Zazzle. And again, to get gain access to that store, check out the episode descriptions on the Productive Conversations podcast platforms or the episode description on our YouTube page. You can go right there and see the amazing stuff we have to offer. And also, you can go to ProductiveConversationsPodcast.com slash merchandise. And don't forget, we're on social media. You can follow us on Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at ProdConvoPod. Follow us on TikTok at Productive Conversations. And check out all the amazing things we have to offer in the world of social media. And don't forget, everybody, that we do have a regularly scheduled Thursday show tomorrow. And we have the host of the Word for Word podcast. Dola Renan Bars join me to talk about the podcasting game, the incredible podcast that they produce, how they came to be, 
We talked about some tragedies that people had to overcome and obstacles that had to be faced and dominated. And you really want to get to know Dolo, Dolo Ren and Bars on this show. And we also have our buddy Flash joining us sporadically throughout the show as well. So check out the great things that he has to say. So that's going to be tomorrow on all podcasts and platforms and YouTube. Word for Word podcast hosts, Dolo Ren and Bars. So yeah, I hope everybody's doing great. As I record this, I'm feeling good. I enrolled in health insurance because I'm now over the age of 26 and I now need to have more responsibilities and quote unquote, do more adulting. So, you know, feeling good. I got my health insurance enrolled for this year. I got my taxes done. So we're always staying productive in that way. Continue booking the show and just talking with people and having fun. So we're just blessed to be here and we're blessed to have you, most importantly, the greatest listeners in the world. Thank you for tuning in and thank you for making this show possible. None of this can happen without you, the amazing fan base of the Productive Conversations podcast. And what do we have in store for that fan base? An incredible man known as Chris Daly on the show. Chris Daly is such a sweet, noble man. He's one of my best friends from college, truly one of my best friends from college. I love that guy so much. I have so many great things to say. And we met... He. Chris and I met in the, our very, in at least my very first college class ever. It was, it was a weird title, actually. It was called Plays About 9-11, and University of Hartford had us all take like a random freshman course about various topics and people are passionate for, and that's just another way to get in credit. And it was a Tuesday, I believe, the Tuesday after Labor Day, and I walked in. And then Chris Daly was right there. And we've been great friends ever since. Now that day is just about seven years ago in September. But shit, it was a good time. And we met there. You know, it was a really tough class to be in. Plays about 9-11. And it's always an emotional day for me and my family. That will be discussed later down the road why that's the case. But... Uh, just to give the short answer, my dad's a 9-11 survivor. He was there that day. He came home that day drenched in in the dust from the towers. And thank God he survived. So I took that class as another way for me to uh, you know, cope with such a traumatic event that changed everyone in this area and changed everything and it's always a personal day for my family so I took the class and chose that one because of that because it's still always something that's very emotional for me to think about talk about but as a result of taking that class I have my amazing friend Chris Daly out of it and we were in a few other classes since then we hung out we he was he's just I have nothing but great things to say about the guy and then when we rekindled and uh, uh, got back in each other's lives, and it was just a great blessing to have. And then he came on this show for a great talk. He was on a bit of a time limit, so I wish I could talk to him longer, but we still got a solid hour of content in. And uh, I know when he comes back, we will have more things to talk about. So this guy is one of a kind. He's incredible, and I'm so thankful that he came on and I can show you all how dope of a person he is. So having said all of that, Chris Daly, it's your turn. Let's get to it.
This is one of the greatest people I've ever met in my life. And I genuinely mean that in the top 25 people I ever met in my life that are the greatest. This man is in it. This is an important podcast for the Productive Conversations podcast. And I love this dude dearly. This guy is the man. He helped make my college life. And I have nothing but respect and admiration. Christopher Daly's on the Productive Conversations podcast. What's up, my friend? How are you? Thanks a lot for having me, Matt. I'm doing great. A lot. Great to see your face. A lot better now. Have you been? <laughs> Definitely. I've been, uh, you know, just trying to stay safe try to overcome obstacles and try trying to grow the show for the greatest audience around. And I'm so, in, so excited to introduce them to you, or I should say you to them. Great. Um, um, yeah. What's up behind you? I'm looking, I'm trying to ascertain all the different movies you got. I see that maybe Django up there. I know you have, uh, <laughs> what, um, what, what's your favorite one from up there. So, yes, as we start with the wall, um, uh, basically the idea coming into this was just being surrounded, everything that inspires me. And I only have this, as I do this spin too, I have lots of things featured from sports, movies, TV, politics, tech. And I would say from my favorite thing in this wall, this is, you. I would have to say, this Jimmy Stewart picture. And the reason why is because I understand as we get older, generations keep moving. You don't know the legacy of Jimmy Stewart. One of the greatest, one of the greatest actors, true American hero fought in World War II and Korea. Uh, he was the biggest Hollywood star who really enhanced comedy and drama. And he just had an American legacy. So understanding that and appreciating that and bringing it on all my um, of all people surrounded me to remember what I'm going for. I think that's just really unique. Don't really have a Atlanta picture, uh, a Jimmy Stewart picture above the cast of Atlanta, the cat with marvelousness, Maisel and Django. And I think that just really describes me the best is featuring that. It's a collective in a beautiful way in the sense he got it's it's an homage to you know the old and the very new and what's happening now it's a it's a nice picture though yes and thank you by the way and what what's also great is just having all this stuff with me is is the fact that I was you know I watched a lot of movies over quarantine still am I try to watch a movie a day and you know watching old Jimmy Stewart movies. And I understand maybe some younger people might simply not watch it because it's in black and white. But yet, if they just give the patience for it, they'd be really entertained by this guy. They would, um, this guy's movies, they would have a lot of fun with it. And yeah, that's what uh, helps bring about this because he can, through many decades, entertain so many different audiences. And I do believe even for those youngins who watch those movies, his movies, they'll still have a profound effect. I mean, a lot of people watch, uh, you know, It's a Wonderful Life during Christmas time in that inspiring movie, you know, Rear Window, if you all get at those Hitchcockians and Vertigos, it's, it's just a, I think he just, I, I really want to have an impact, a legacy like Jimmy Stewart. And that's why I have him right behind me. So. What, um, so you see, watch a, a movie a day. What's the last one you watched? Mm-hmm. <laughs> The last movie I saw 
was the last one I the last one I saw. Wow, you know I say that, but I I haven't watched one in a week. But I can tell you really quick because I have a log on on this app called Letterbox, which I highly suggest. Where it's just I a movie review. Just suggested that, and I was gonna do. I was gonna get that because I've been trying to, yeah, keep track of of things because the, the amount of times at work where I'm trying to describe a, a movie I just watched and I can't accurately describe it, nor can I give the actual title, and it's always just almost like an SNL sketch, right? Like, oh yeah, it's got actors in it, certainly, and they're doing. Yeah. That's hilarious, actually. And yeah, that's it's just the social media. It's like LinkedIn for movies and you got to write reviews in your own special way. And um, I got you. The last four I watched, um, the very last one I saw was the movie. I love you, man. You've seen that with Paul Rudd and Jason Siegel, just about Mm -hmm. a guy trying to get his best man. Feel good. Very funny. I watched this movie called Half Nelson with very young Ryan Gosling from 2006. It was a Sundance film. And it's about him being a high school teacher in an inner city, Brooklyn. And he's a drug addict and over trying to cover overcome addiction with these young kids. He's trying to mentor as well. And one in particular, and that was incredible. I got that off hoopla and he actually got an Oscar nomination for best actor that year in 2007. And that just shows how long of a, great of a career he's had so half nelson was great then i watched first blood it, you know steph Western stallone the very first one now i know the first blood the rambo you know rambo the rambo's film series got really a parody of itself in action thrillers and stuff in the 80s but the very first one it's an awesome movie about treating vietnam veterans at the time um how the mistreatment of vietnam veterans i should say nature preservation and, you know, being amongst man versus nature since that's where it's set up. So those were the last three. And I also watched spirited away, which was my last four. If you've seen that, the anime classic. Just watched Spirited two nights ago. It's pretty good. Did you really, what'd you think of it? I, I watched within a couple of days, spirited away. And what was the other one? And it was another from the same studio. Oh, Kiki's delivery service. It was called. Yes. Um, and I forget the name of the studio, but they have a very similar aesthetic. And it's very, uh, that's the best way to describe it in the sense that if you're looking for something that's very aesthetically pleasing, oh, I, absolutely. I to be, I'm not normally into that medium in general, but it was incredibly moving in a sense that even if you didn't follow the plot as much, just the, it had a large array of various smaller subplots that mm-hmm. they, Aim to light throughout. Beautifully done. And I went into it incredibly pessimistic. Like, I'm not going to like this <laughs> in a slide. No, I I guess that was a good introduction to the world of anime. Isn't it? And by the way, your, the studio referred to Studio Ghibli, if I'm sorry if I uh, mispronounced that, but G-H-I-B-L-I. And uh, yeah, dude, it was just an awesome... That talk about nature, that preserving, preserving nature was that film and uh just an incredible inspiring story it was a a lot of fun you know another one movie i did watch recently and that can transition to our next point i watched the movie chris and i'd be surprised if you haven't seen it but if you haven't you gotta watch it. you particularly would love it is mr washington mr smith goes to washington another jimmy studio ever see that classic i mean in the amount of parodies within whether it be the Simpsons family guy (laughs) 
Hill did a bit on it. Like it's yeah, I think it's one of the most, if not the most parodied thing. I mean, yeah. it, it's so iconic. Yeah, love it. Love it. I remember as a kid thinking like, it'll be cool to see the Capitol one day. Literally, and you know, transitioned into that and believe Chris. You live in the Washington, D.C. area, correct? Or you actually live in D.C. too? I do. I live in Washington, D.C. I live close to downtown. I live in a neighborhood called Bloomingdale. Oh, my. Um, and I love it. Been living here for about a year and a half now. Lived first in Cleveland Park in the northwest of D.C. Now we're a little more northeast and a little more central, so closer to uh, my office, which is nice. How about that? So tell me your initial thoughts, Chris. I uh, know you enjoy American politics. So who who's very pleasing to talk to in politics and has a great uh, view on things. And now you go to the greatest American city for it and the greatest place for it. The Mecca of politics, Washington, D.C. Tell me what it was like to first. Well, tell me first how you got to D.C., what brought you there. And tell me about your first initial days and what it was like to be in this happy place of yours almost. Yeah, certainly. Um, So I started working for a group called Vera. Um, It's a carbon it's a carbon standard group and they work in carbon offsets and different environmental development projects. And I worked there as I work there now as a program officer in a forestry sense. And I came here about a year and a half ago. And my first impressions of the city were I absolutely blown away at how much it changes neighborhood per neighborhood. And I know that mm. seems like it's a cliche where you hear somebody talk about New York City, for example, where it's just like, yeah, yes, well, obviously going from one borough to the other and even neighborhood to the, to the next is quite different, but very stark changes. And it's interesting because the imagery that you have of Washington, D.C., of the nation's capital is just a skyline strewn with monuments to, to dead people and <laughs> classical architecture. And no, I mean, the, D.C. is a beautiful, vibrant city with an incredibly rich and diverse culture. Um, I, it's interesting. One big takeaway from all of this is I don't like neoclassical architecture anymore. I don't <laughs> like columns. I don't like the gaudy marble, the fake marble. I don't like the those steps. It's it's everywhere and it's abrasive. I, it's, I've garnered a new appreciation for Hartford, for example. Right, so Look some of the beautiful, the Goodwin Building downtown and in the Travelers Building even and some some of the older. Of buildings closer to the University of Hartford, like on um, mm-hmm. Prospect Avenue, for example. Right. Um, you, you obviously, I absolutely adore it here, and I've, it's become a home, which I'm happy to say. And very that's really good. It's a good thing to say that to find home in a place that you weren't born in. Um, but uh, no, I, I have a greater greater appreciation now for Connecticut, for example. Want a yearning to to go back and not just to see friends and family, but the landscape to, to go to new England, such a beautiful area. Living in DC, as you mentioned, so many historic buildings, so many historic landmarks. Do you feel the history while you're there? Do you feel the, uh, the presence of 
all these legacies coming together for our country. And that is where everybody goes, whether even if you're a senator or you're in the House of Representatives, everyone goes there from this entire country you live in. Do you feel that history and that um, presence almost? Yeah, you certainly do. And D.C. does a wonderful job in the D.C. I think it's the Historical Society is in, in tandem with the National Park Service does a great job in mm-hmm. exploring different aspects of history that aren't here's the White House and here's the Washington Monument. It's here is, um, you know, different neighborhood leaders and individuals, writers, poets, artists, different scientists, and what have you, who, who are a part of the American lexicon, lived here, studied here, worked here. Yeah. So it was a greater, more holistic what is Washington, D.C.? Yes, obviously, it's named after one individual. Yes, obviously, it's, you know, it be, everyone knows that all the top of the Washington Monument stopped for a while during the Civil War and Abraham Lincoln did X, Y, and Z. But no, it is very something, it is really special to see the very unique history, which is Washington, D.C. Look so at it, that. The field that it's, it's, it's something that you also have to be cognizant of, that it's a different history for different people. And it's something that is also marred with triumph and pain. Where mm-hmm. to see, you know, it to stand on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial. No, Dr. King stood there, and to the Million Man March ended there. Yeah, some of the grandeur that happened there, it, you get awestruck in it. But then at the same time, you remember just across that reflecting pool into the Capitol building, you had you know some such egregious acts of whether it be strong thurman arguing for segregation whether it be the the stealing of native american lands etc so it's a city of of beautiful parallels of rights trying to right wrongs and wrongs trying to overdo the right so it's it's um it's the historic presence while you're here is, is something hard to ignore and hard to get away from Definitely, man. I feel that. And, you know, with people who go there with various opinions and how various ways of people want to see things running either locally or nationally, it's still even despite all that, it it must still be cool to have that place at least could come together one way or the other. And can if you don't mind me saying uh one thing about D.C., we know what happened in the first week of the 2021 we know what happened with people with people a lot uh mainly trump supporters that that uh barged in and stormed the capitol and you know politics aside for one thing for this i just like to ask what was it like in the vibe of the city again you know the motivation to do it was absolutely disgusting and wrong, but for the safe for yourself and the safety in your city, what was it like that day? If you don't mind me asking. Yeah, certainly. So I live just on, I live on S street, which is just off of uh, North Capitol Avenue. So I walk a block down and I could see into the rotunda. I could see into the Capitol quite close to it. Um, the general vibe was, was frustration and in, in, in anger, but not shock at all. And I'll explain that in that I was in, so were a great many of people in in Washington, D.C. out for racial justice protests earlier this summer. And the videos and pictures that that I have and that were just absolutely filled every newspaper across the world and every television screen and phone screen across the world over were people being subjugated to tear gas, to police brutality, 
to helicopters overhead, et cetera, et cetera. I, the level of police the, where I lived in Cleveland Park in the northwest of D.C. was a staging area for the ATF, which is the Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms Division in the DEA because they had a – they called upon every person, every person with a, a firearm, I suppose, in the federal jurisdiction to, quote-unquote, protect the, the Capitol, right? Um, so absolute fear, Blackhawks going over at all times. Wow. And to just see the day before – everything that happened at the Capitol. Not much, right? A couple of people, they said they're going to have the National Guard there. They said they're going to do this. They said they're going to have that. And to hear about all the FBI threats and to hear about all the intel that said something seriously bad is going to happen, right? And they found, for God's sakes, they found bombs in, the, in different headquarters. They found bombs in the national law. So, it's disgusting. And so it's just obvious. It, it's a large portion of this nation feels this every day that there are a different set of laws for folks who look like me versus folks who benefit, who don't benefit from these type of things. It's people of color in this country, different marginalized groups. You, you read account after account and you listen to interview after interview of, no, this wasn't overly surprising that, Bunch of predominantly, or if not entirely, white men stormed a, a building with little to no resistance and proudly put their feet up on the Speaker of the House's desk. For shame. So it's that. Right. And it's just for shame. It's it's who. It was a strange um, renewal of patriotism, almost right. And it was this resounding. Well, when I was, when we were marching in the things that we believe in us, in us, in us bounce to our friends and neighbors and family, that the, the causes that we fight for helps our fellow man, right? It helped the, the, our fellow American, no matter. And brought a good presence to it, too. And so that's what we were doing, fighting for each other. But this, what we saw in, in January was fighting for folks that only look like them and themselves only. A very selfish act, and it was something that was wholly un-American. I mean, my God, if we're going to talk about sacred places, sacred buildings, and you're going to cry over what a burned-down Target, you're going to get get all worked up over a, a broken into CVS. Come on now, I know it, it's it's the double standards that came out. It was, so yeah, that was the general attitude here. It was just frustration, but not surprised. Business as usual. Huh? Nah, yeah. I- commend you on explaining that in a very mature manner and it was just disgusting and heartbreaking to see those double standards be brought up and people thinking i think it's pretty obvious to understand the human fight for it take the politics aside when we should have treat everyone every background in a fair in a fair equal manner which we could get. Th- I believe we, could, we still have a long way to get there. I understand that that long way is generations away, but at least if we could start making people uncomfortable, finally bringing up these changes, electing the diverse leaders to make these changes of where these people come from to make these changes, that we could not give any credit to those scumbags who 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 stormed the Capitol. Not going to make them heroes whatsoever not going to acknowledge him what they did was wrong Kip, they didn't bring up the right point and you know what i think 
you're helping motivate us to get stronger, to fight against these people who fight for a specific selfish reasons. And uh, it's time just to fight for every common person, whether he, she, or they. Mm -hmm. That's, that's a good sentiment, whether he, she, or they, I mean, it's, we're going to talk about this quote unquote melting pot, right? We're going to talk about, well, this grand American experiment and we don't really act like it. And then when we try to add, not try to add, but when we try to accept and, and really live up to our credences, right? That's when they really start to push back and get and show their true colors and, or, or lack thereof. Um, so, yeah, it is. And, and you know, I, I went down to the Capitol yesterday, just it was in that area. It's still fenced off. It's still, I wanted to go to the Supreme Court the other day, just to, it's a beautiful area, a nice sitting area to, to think and be. Um, but no, it, it's, it's, it's disheartening to see, you know, this is supposed to be such a public, beautiful place. And, and the worst thing about it is just like, well, whatever, I could just walk home and I could be back here when this is done in 20 minutes. But it's to see folks in di different license plates and to see folks in rental cars with different languages and accents and what have you. So they came from far and wide. They saved up all to see these things, right? Yeah. yeah, I think of myself watching Mr. Smith goes to Washington. <laughs> I think of what an amazing trip and how lucky I was that my father took me to the White House and took me to the to the the mall when I was a kid. And I just and what you can't see it now because what some some redneck went and put his feet on the desk of something. Come on now, it's I, I understand why they're doing it. I, there's credible threats to the security of of a lot of folks there, especially. Um, you know, lest we forget, they went in with uh, what were those things called zip ties, so they had ulterior motives. Um, but it is—it's a very shameful display. Oh yeah, um, I—that's DC is. I've only been to DC a few times. I loved it every time, always in passing when I was going to my grandma's in North Carolina, and I really want. I was planning for spring 2021 to just go for a weekend, and we obviously know what happened. And I'm just dreaming, hopefully that day soon, because, I mean, you get a test spring, especially in D.C. It's it's the, the beautiful trees and just yeah, the scary Boston Festival is, is, is absolutely gorgeous. Um, it was, and I can uh, visit you, too. So now. Even yeah. More and, you know, I'll take you. You could stay here. We could walk to the, the waterfront and we could see. Uh, yeah, it'd be great. I let, last cherry blossom. There's it's interesting because the most iconic is by the Jefferson Memorial. Yep. But all across the city, especially the, at the National Cathedral, um, beautiful botanical gardens and just these little hidden away nature preserves per, per, uh, conservancies rather and front lawns even just all across the city. So would love the opportunity to to take you around and, and see that. That would be so cool. We're well, we're I'm so close. Aren't you we? up we're, on that. We're so close to, to seeing this thing through. That, that, that's what is exciting with me, you, with, uh, with everything that I've seen. Now, even though we obviously had a, the worst start of a year possible, but we do have a new administration. We've just got to get through the – I mean, first of all, just get through this pandemic. But with this, I believe I'm excited for a new era to begin. I understand the road to recovery is going to be a long one, a very long one that will require patience and maturity, but at least we're getting in the right direction. I believe at least and uh, holding faith for it. And hopefully I can do whatever I can to be, to help improve this country one way or the other. I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. Um, 
I mean, right now we're already seeing a lot of business as usual practices. Since mm-hmm. since Joe Biden has taken office, over 20,000 individuals as of yesterday, according to a report from the ACLU, have been deported. So if we look at very just glimmering hopes of stopping deportations in a pandemic in not just a, a pandemic, but turning a blind eye to humanitarian crises uh, just across the world over um, to keep up ICE's disgusting raids on the border in different border towns is I, so that's what is still keep is still keeps me up. Right. And as far as racial justice and, and things and the like, yes, it, we are moving in a, in a, positive direction, especially if you're looking at a lot of the, uh, his, his different cabinet picks and things and the like, but there's still so much work to be done. And as far as fervor and just this, this sentiment to want to organize and win and keep this momentum going, it's so important that the come the midterms and all these local elections across the country that the left starts to realize it's already realized, sorry, not to invalidate political ideology, but it's more often than not, we get very jazzed about presidential runs, large, important congressional and senatorial runs. Right. But the, a lot of the smaller elections, we Democrats, yeah, democratic, um, statistically speaking, Democrats don't go out and vote nearly as much as Republicans do. So the momentum has to carry through. Yes. And I agree with you. And as long as you're cautiously optimistic, which is the perfect way I think than the most fair way to go about it, at least there's light at the end of the tunnel, even mm-hmm. if it's small, but at least we're going towards it. One thing to another way to transition to things. Just one last thing on DC, Chris, besides mm-hmm. the immense historic perspective being in that great city, I'm just curious, what are just some of the other hangout spots that we haven't mentioned, like where do you like to go to eat in DC? Where do you like to go? I mean, you definitely have the greatest place to places to run, but like, just what are just some fun things, especially in a pre-COVID world, but definitely a post-COVID world? Are you excited for to do as a kid in his, uh, well, not a kid, as a young adult in his mid twenties? Like, what else is there to do in DC that like you can do in any other city? Yeah, so what's super. I think unique and exciting about Washington, D.C. is similar to New York City in a sense. And I think everything under the sun is pale in comparison to New York. But relatively speaking, culinarily speaking, there's such a diverse array of individuals here, especially an international array. We have uh, every single one of our embassies, several international nonprofits and organizations based out of the nation's capital, which makes for an amazing culinary scene, whether it be, it's also not just, whether it be different nations, food or a type of food, but it can be very niche. Like for example, Detroit pizza is something that is really Mm -hmm. blowing up here. I've heard of that plate. I think I've heard of that. Um, New Haven style pizza, the, my favorite under the sun is <laughs> you could find there's two or three places that specifically have New Haven pizza and have, I went a couple of days ago to this place called Pete and their menu is all, uh, Connecticut and New York themed things. You could take like the Metro North, is, <laughs> um, it, you know what I'm saying? So it's like a meatball one and like the, uh, it's, it's neat. It's, I would highly suggest it. And it tastes very similar to, I mean, it is like the, the classic New Haven cold, cold fire, crispy crust, similar to like a Sally's or Pepe's. 
Um, all right. I'm not sure if you're a pe- uh, pizza guy. I do like my pizza. Uh, you know, I've only been to Pepe's. I've never been to Sally's before. So no shame on me. Maybe I'll, uh, maybe if I uh, can lure someone, well, not lure, but if I could uh, invite someone in, I have to try that. I can't, I can't fairly compare the two, but Pepe's is incredible. Yeah, so it's it's the different array of food here as well as uh, there's really what became super trendy here it seemed and there's all there's all they're all over the city now are different beer gardens like these different pop up yeah and they're all outside and they're all very reminiscent of what you'd see in like Bavaria and different or the Black Forest so like Southern German open air like the the long table and the, the large steins and huge mm-hmm. pretzels and everything and it's it's a really fun time and, and a great way to. And a lot of them are on rooftops or we have spectacular views of the whole city. So to, to have a stein of beer and look out into the capital of the White House and all that good stuff is it's pretty cool. And it gets Love pretty it. in DC. So nice to be outside. What are those what is your go-to beer when you go to the beer garden, Chris, if uh you're able to pick? Um I really like it's a good question. It's always there's this one place called um gosh. Uh, Daca Dacha Beer Garden, and that they have. I really like Pilsner style beers. I like Hefeweizens. I like like wheat, um, more creamy type beers. Um, as far as like German and other that style, there's one that came out of Munich, I believe, in southern Germany, called a Radler. And Radler's Radler, I believe, in German is cyclist or has something to do with riding a a bicycle. So folks who are cycling in the summer stop at beer garden, beer garden and have something very similar reminiscent to a shandy. It's a very lemonade esque type of beer. If you've ever had Sam Adams, uh, yeah. Or trocker. That's, that's, that, that's what that is. So it's really cool to see, uh, some of those. How about yourself? If I might go to beers, I, I do like those German style beers, the blue moons and the shock tops, but probably my favorite beer in this world is blue point. I think, yeah, it's blue point. And it's like very similar to those more weedy, um, tizzling type of beer. I believe so. Um, but those are just incredible. I also like me some IPAs, like some hipster, but, um, it's just cool in this beer revolution to see all the various, uh, small companies and breweries come pop up and have people enjoy responsibly, you know? Yeah. It's uh, I, I cut down a little bit on my beer consumption to, to watch the old, the uh, beer belly there. But, uh, <laughs> it's I, at the onset of the pandemic, once my rent was up, I actually did do a jaunt out West for a bit in living in Airbnb in El Paso. And Oh, El- can we talk about that? What was it like? El Paso was amazing. Uh, so my girlfriend and I left DC and stayed in El Paso for a month, then stayed in an Airbnb in Tucson. And then my friend Gary and I went to Page, Arizona on the Utah border. And so th- throughout the time there, I went to a lot of national parks and a lot of national monuments and state parks and was a great COVID friendly, social distancing friendly endeavor to go to these places. And, and already you know, to camp out in a wilderness area and not see another human being for a full 48 hours was, was pretty cool and pretty, again, kind of the definition of social distancing uh, to the extreme. So that was, that was really cool. But the tie into beer there was in El Paso, 
got real accustomed to having a lot of different beer, different Mexican style lagers from yeah. different uh, uh, medium, small to medium sized breweries in, in diff- throughout Mexico. So that was really cool to try different Mexican beers as well as a lot of Guat- Guatemalan and Salvadorian different variants of that and uh, different appreciation for how you can manipulate hops and barley and water. It's really interesting. Oh, yes. I love a great Mexican cuisine. Talk about things that they do with both their be- uh, that's, food and that's drinks. The, 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 as far as like, if we're going to talk about categorically a power ranking of food types mm-hmm. in Mexico and all things Mexican, I think would be number one, would be at the top of my list. How about you? Oh, that's a that's a great subject right here for the. Uh, There's for, whole podcasts uh, and whole careers dedicated to this, so we could. Uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, so if I had to go with like specific ethnic foods, I mean, I really love Italian food, man, and uh, it's just so easy to make. It's so soothing. I can never get tired of pasta. I call I like to call my grony, but I can never get tired of pasta. I really can't. Even if you talk about beer bellies, just pasta bellies, all those cars, but it's just such an Achilles heel. I won't lie. <laughs> I really want to, I've been thinking about getting a pasta maker. Um, and it's so, it's hmm. speaking of aesthetically pleasing things to watch somebody making pasta yeah. and, and mixing it. And I don't know. I, I got to do more research into what, does it taste that much different? Have you ever made pasta yourself? I never made pasta. I've made raviolis and manicots uh, and your uh, um, like stuffed shells and stuff, but not really. I've never actually literally made pasta. That's cast. I've always wondered that too, if it's better or not. Yeah, I would love to just put the TV in the kitchen, turn on the Sopranos, and slowly make. <laughs> A sauce and slowly make a or Goodfellas and slowly make. I'm thinking of like the the scene from Goodfellas. You've seen Goodfellas, obviously. Of course, there's a Where picture they're, on they're, it right here. You know when they're in the prison and he's shaving the garlic very thin. Is that Goodfellas or is that a? Yeah, that's Goodfellas. Yeah, I would love yeah. to. What's his name? Sorvino, Paul Sorvino. I bet that, that sauce time. tastes pretty good too. Oh, dude, I like making my own sauce. Well, like I actually made some yesterday, but it's just. <laughs> This is so simple, but I just pour two jars, put some water, like a cup of water, put some Italian seasoning and parsley and pepper and just stir Mm -hmm. it. It was just that easy. But like those who genuinely make it with the tomatoes and all that patience and all that stuff, it's incredible. But um, yeah, nothing beats a good sauce. It makes everything. It's like people, some people appear like to call gravy, but mm, you're making me... What's your go-to, uh, if you're talking about like within this, to make the tie into cinema here, mm-hmm. um, what is your go-to like mob movie? My, the go, my go-to mob movie? A great question, man. You know, um, I have to go with The Departed, even though it's more Irish mob in Boston, but that's my absolute favorite movie. But I mean, Goodfellas is almost, it's one of the few, what I call perfectly structured films in terms okay. of acting, directing, the music, the story, uh, comedy and drama blending perfectly. Some people consider Goodfellas a black comedy, really, if you really think about it. Uh, it's like the cinematography as well. I'd have to go with those two, but probably number one has to be the the, the Departed. What's your favorite mob movie? Um, 
I'd say Goodfellas. I mean, Goodfellas is just the narrate. I, I think it led the way. I mean, I could be wrong, and I'm just trying to think of the timeline of from Goodfellas to other movies afterwards. And again, if we're going to talk about parody things, mm-hmm. um, Goodfellas is up there just with that narration style and with the uh, and a lot of the one liners. You know, you think I'm oh, like, so quotable as well. Great very, point. yeah. Just shows um, the good writing in it. And a lot of the cast of The Sopranos um, made their debuts there. I'm not, you right. watched, um, what's her name? Lorraine Bracco? The therapist. Um, yeah, Lorraine Bracco? Yeah. My um, looks just like her. I, uh, that's a series I've been contemplating. It's one of those things that every time I'm at a lull for it, I, I want to start something new, another series. Oh, Chris, you have to do that. Well, you have to get Sopranos and Cheers. You 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 haven't seen it. I've I've seen it. I've seen it time and time again. It's the, in my opinion, the the greatest show of all time. I I I would go hard for that. That's again just perfectly blending all emotions in a TV show and just incredible. Did you like the ending of The Sopranos? I did. I thought I don't want to spoil it for any listeners. Um, We can spoil it here. Spoiler alert. If you want spoiler pause, yeah. spoiler pause. I yeah, think just fast forward was, a few minutes if you haven't seen it yet. <laughs> it was beautifully done in the sense that a, a theme that Tony brings up several times throughout the show, and something that, that's not just brought up by breached by Tony, but in, in in general, is why the Costa Nostra, why organized crime became a how it came to be in the Italian American experience in New Jersey and mm-hmm. in New York. And they talk about the virtues of protection. They talk about the virtues of, of family and things like that and, and sticking together to, for common good. Right. And, and they, one thing they always already Bucco mentioned several times over when he's mm-hmm. talking about something, well, how does he describe almost every single pasta food? Oh, it's real peasant food. It's real that. So there's a, a lot of harping on this was a downtrodden, ill-gotten and not i think the most important not financially stable group of people that they needed to form groups like this for protection and i think totally sick of it and i think the last scene spoiler alert still here um (laughs) with him walking into how american was that the song that was playing was uh don't stop believing don't stop believing to get onion rings in a bowl and a mm-hmm. salad that is like that is in every Italian um, American restaurant in the United States. That massive chunks of iceberg lettuce that's kind of old red mm-hmm. onions and peppers strewn about, you know, waiting there. Daughter comes in late. How American is that? And it's one of those things that you don't, and they're not eating anything remotely what Artie Bucco would make. Right? Nope. <laughs> and they're a very financially stable place. Everyone's smiling, laughing. So to me, that, that was it. That, that was it. You don't, they didn't need the story of why the, the Sopranos, the Buccos, the, the Gandalfis, all the other people within the Sopranos joined organized crime. It, the reason ceased to exist. So the show ceased to exist. That's why I think it just stopped right then and there, but they did it beautifully in the sense that, well, here's the, here's the reason why here's the catalyst for that. Oh yes. And you know, what's funny, if you notice every productive conversation podcast starts with a pop culture reference intro. And I put that. So the CD sums up perfectly. If you've seen season five, the season five finale, when he confronts Johnny Sack before the Johnny Sack gets arrested. And he says the quote, 
We're here to put food on the tables of we're here to put food on the tables for a family, put a roof over our heads. That's it. At the end of the day, that's why the mafia, as you mentioned, is was created just to get by in this American life. And then he gets arrested and the Johnny Sack gets arrested. And that starts the second season, the final season in two parts. Yeah. And the intentionality behind a lot of the rhetoric, especially Meadow, where they had her and Tony in, yeah, her and Tony, I think it was season three, had an indiscretion about, um, I mean, Tony's just an open, racist, bigot, terrible individual that yep. within beautiful screenwriting, you some you here and there feel bad for. Um, the anti-hero. The anti-hero. It's, it's really the, the living, breathing thing. Well, not anymore, but... Um, it's rest in peace, James Gandolfini. Yeah, amazing man. Um, but no, and her bringing up constantly that crime is more of an indicator of poverty and class than, than yeah. obviously race is no indicator whatsoever that you are pushed to do certain things because of, because of class struggles and structures where I think that was so beautifully woven in from her experiences working where she goes in Columbia, working in different law centers yeah. and the advocacy that, that she displayed throughout. Um, obviously this is my plug because I had the biggest crush on Meadow growing up. Uh, <laughs> I think that's, but all that rhetoric builds into, there's no need for the Sopranos. There's no need for, uh, what was their family called? Did they have a name for their family? The Sopranos. Sopranos. No, no. You know how like there was the Johnny Sack, like Johnny Sack. Oh, Lup- I think it was the Lupertazzi crime family as a whole. Yeah, yeah. There it is. There it is. Yeah. Um, whose name was that? Is that from his uncle? Is that Junior's like real name or something? Lupertazzi. Um, that was the. I mean, well, I know the 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 Soprano crew was named after the. Oh, name not named after. I I have a. I could pull it up really quick. The actual. The Lupertazzi family was the New York family, pretty much. And then mm-hmm. the Soprano family was also named after the the crime family is the, excuse me, Diva Can't, Devil Cult, Dave, sorry, D Cavalcanti family. I'm definitely watching it. But it says right here on the um, wiki for Sopranos that this operates the five families uh, up beside the river. Wait. Oh, wait. This is the actual families based off of not the. That's hilarious, actually. Sorry. The Mio crime family is what the Sopranos, the D, okay. the D Cavalente family is what the actual mock New Jersey mock crime family that Sopranos is based after. But according to this, um, it was pretty much was formed. It was named after, uh, yeah, Johnny Soprano and Corrado Soprano, which was junior. Johnny Soprano is dead. And let's try to sum this up but uh yeah it's named demio i guess because this guy ircola demio is believed to have the the first official boss and that's who recruited everyone together but um yeah how about that yeah i'm excited for the uh i i forget the name of it many states in newark and you're gonna see it on hbo max thanks to their uh exclusive streaming you don't have to see the theaters it'll be right away yeah i i mean to me, we have HBO, to do a review podcast on that. We have to. Do I would love to. HBO is the the hub for them. HBO is my favorite streaming service. But uh, what yeah. um September twenty fourth is when it comes out. September twenty fourth. Yes, and you were, you were about to ask another question. I didn't hear that. No, I guess I'll have to just rewatch the whole series 
again. Oh, yeah. Um, I'll get ready for September 24th and we will definitely do a review podcast of that. And, you know, the, like you said, just Sopranos is everything you want in the show. Capelli characters, tragedy, um, so many hilarious moments, so quotable. And you know what my favorite quote from that is? With Paulie Walnuts, that that character. Um, he just uh, Christopher asked him, "Don't you think you live life and nothing? Aren't you afraid that nothing ever good ever happens?" He's like, "Yeah, and nothing ever did. So what?" <laughs> He um, it's interesting to see where a lot of them went afterwards. Like, I, did Paulie? Did the actor who played Paulie want us to do anything afterwards? I know, like, he did a few episodes of the Family Guy. <laughs> yeah, he was in very like awkward cameos in Family Guy with his uh, just making food in the kitchen. Um, I, I mean, not really. You know, like, I mean, they all have good, great careers just for the show alone. But you know, all the money you could just ride it. But yeah, I know, like. The other do like smaller independent movies like Jamie Lynn Sigler and uh, I actually say her last name is Dykstra now. Uh, I will listen to um, I have been listening to podcasts with the with the son, um, Robert Iyer, who <clears> played <throat> Sony's son, Tony Jr. He just became a professional poker player and just stopped acting. What? Michael, Imper- Michael Imperioli did a lot of stuff. Um, like California, he did a recurring role and uh bunch of other smaller movies. I think Junior? Steve Sharippa was the one who really strived ever since he played Bobby Bacalao. Is it? Yeah. So Bobby, that was, that's Junior's uh, like sort of henchman, right? Yep. He has his own line of sauce, I believe. Yes, that's right. He, yeah. It was uh, Eric Godry promoting. He got that's how, off. that's the only way I know that is from that <laughs> Eric. Love Eric Andre. What was your favorite episode of that? Oh, wait, one fun fact. Um, I don't know if you know this. I think you probably know this. You know, James Gandolfini, that wasn't his real voice. That was an accent. Oh, yeah, no. It's strange to to hear him in interviews. Yeah, right? Because he does this so flawlessly. I'm just like, man, honestly, one of the best to ever do it. Have you seen other movies, whether it's like True Romance or the movie with him and Julie Louis-Dreyfus? He just was so talented. I would love to see him on stage, too. They said that's where it was at. Mm-hmm. Were you saying my favorite episode of Sopranos or Eric Andre's show? <laughs> yeah, I'll take both of you real quick, but uh, mainly I was asked for Sopranos. Uh, uh, when they go to Italy is pretty good. I don't know, actually. I, I mean, I don't like I don't I don't like the character of Paulie Walnuts whatsoever. I love to see him fail. Uh, <laughs> so that was great to see him in Sicily using like Google translate version of Italian to say, yeah, and he was like, I want some macaroni and gravy. Yeah. That was, uh, I like that level of cringe. Um, I really liked, honestly, this could be, I think it's the set season two opening first episode of the season. Oh, two. Yeah. It starts off with, um, Frank Sinatra as it was a very good year mm-hmm. and it showed every one of the Sopranos family members doing their own perspective thing. And I think that was just a, a beautiful touch. How about yourself? That one, that is a really great one. I definitely like the pine barrens episode stuck in the woods, Chris and, uh, Pauly. um, you know, it's just really it's though it's so tragic. Does the writing the second to last episode of the Blue Comet where mm-hmm. um, they decide to declare war and um, the New York uh, 
New York bosses and the Jersey bosses. And, but it was just so good on a tragic level and, uh, good. And, uh, we're just moving together and, uh, it's, it's, uh, I just like it on a writing perspective. And then honestly really like the finale and I think it's good. And it tied things together. Well, I, I think it's the second best breaking bad. It's the best finale, but um, I, I'll have to go with those. And uh, I also like probably my absolute other favorite is when uh, pussy dies mm-hmm. turns and sleeping with the fishes and just all the amazing, absolute amazing foreshadowing to show that point. Those are some of my highlights. I, uh, I think the Pine Barrens one is, I, I think that's, if you look at list of greatest TV episodes of all time, regardless of television show, it's always up there. It's always yeah. like in the top 10 best written and direct directed. That was with, uh, wasn't like a, a KGB agent or he's like some sort of crazy, the guy they were following, right? Yeah. Like he owed him money and, um, and that was a way to, you know, make him talk or, you know, get rid of him. <laughs> and he was like, it was just freezing out. I mean, I don't know what's in DC. Do you have snow on the ground? We we got it. We had another snowstorm today oh, yeah. as we're recording. It just looks like today. Mm-hmm. And the KGB agent's like, I wash my balls in this type of weather. This is hot. And mm-hmm. then he runs away, gets shot in the head, but he keeps moving. We never know what happened. Yeah, is the the writing in that is spectacular. Uh, and you want to know this this random scene? Not a lot of people talk about. It. I think it's great. It's uh when Chris. And he talks to his um, his sponsor in AA, played by Tim Daly, good actor. Um, and then it's the only time I think the word actually mafia is used. And he mm-hmm. just and he just really calls him out on his bullshit. And he just simply says, "Chris, you're in the mafia," and then he dies. So I think, uh, but I think it just shows like it was a boiling point. Like that was late late in the se- series, and that just shows the point of what's going on. You know, the the number of different subplots that Christopher Moltisanti gets into, it has to be the most numerous in that. Yeah. You think of that one, you think of when he was seeing, uh, when he was trying to become a writer and then there's plots within that. Like he was, he was having an affair with, uh, one of the writers or something like that. Remember they're in New York and yeah, you have these highly fabricated stories, getting pizza and, uh, that the, yeah, I, I think he's the most multifaceted character. Yeah. And it's just, he was just trying to make his place and it's sad what we know what happened to him. And he Tony kills him after the accident. And it's just, those last four episodes are like just so tragic, but just perfect way to end a series. And this is what it results. You either die or you go to jail. That's, that's how it happens. And what's the most disappointing ending to a series for you? Dexter. Luckily, they're uh, remaking it again or they're adding another final season. But I think it was just didn't make sense. Awkward. And wow. Talk about momentum killer. So I'd have to go with that. How I Met Your Mother one is um, I thought it'd be more profound and it was just meh. Those are the ones that come to mind. If the My Name is Earl, which ends on a cliffhanger, which will never end. That's probably the worst. So that was mine. That was mine without a doubt. Such an underrated show, isn't it? That show was just so funny. I think it's on. Oh, I was going through one of the. It's on Hulu. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I binged it in the fall. I rewatched it in the fall. It was such a blast of nostalgia when I was just I just yeah. picked a show to to do that and that was yeah that's a great show. I like shows. What what's what style is that? 
just sitcom with narration? Is there a certain word for that? Like the narration style in that? Um, I have a website that perfectly, that perfectly subs it up, but yeah, you would just consider it. You would could just, yeah. Narrative sitcom. That's all it says here. So, uh, mm. I think it was good. That's one of the rare, like, I think, you know, sick narration could is strong hit or miss because, you know, you're, t- if you tell the audience, everything don't allow that show and tell factor, but this is perfect for it. And it explains everything. So, uh, this Malcolm in the middle. Yeah. Uh, like I, I said, use, use narration for good. They like, those are shows that do it for good. And, um, it, uh, it just shows how incredible TV is, man. Yo, Chris, so going to have to wrap it up, soon. I know you have to get to the airport. The uh, that's uh, What's the famous airport over there? I am bringing a neighbor, not to Reagan, but I'm bringing a neighbor to Dulles, which is in Dulles, Virginia. Oh, okay. He's okay. uh three regional airports. He got the one in Baltimore, one in D.C., and one in uh, – one in D.C. is super nice. There's a metro station in it. So it could not be any more convenient, but the one in one in Dulles is nice because it has a has its own lane on the highway. How about that, man? Well, before you go there, if we just if I could just have just a few more minutes of your time, yeah, yeah, uh, I would love you to answer the Prowse questionnaire, Chris, which okay. is uh, I don't know if you're familiar with it from inside the actor studio, but I end every show with uh, um, I end every show with this, and it's just ten. Deep, short, but deep and profound questions. And I'm really okay. excited for your answers for it. So, Chris, let's answer your Prowse questionnaire. My first question is, what is your favorite word? My favorite word. All right. I like the word all right because hmm. it's based on the way you're saying it. It could mean so many things and the tone that you're saying it could be all right or all right. All right. (laughs) It's one of those things that within, I mean, you and I took a, a oddly named course on acting. Yeah, we did take the Um, 9-11, man. That's where we, that's where it started at all. And if I recall correctly, that was actually something that our professor uh, breached with us in that, and use all right as an example and, and how multifaceted it is. So talk about all nostalgia. Right. That's a great one, Chris. Oh man, you and me, we had a few classes, the RPWs. Oh man, definitely have to get into that. The, the, uh, on our next podcast. And, uh, I remember in the honors one we took, you just did, you were just so savage with that, that professor we had. Oh man. He was, he was, a, he was a different Different breed. He was a different. <laughs> he really was very building. different teaching style. Leave it at that. Did you don't mind me bringing this up? But I remember once you. It was just a nice day. You were just enjoying the nice day, so you skipped class. But you told him that you were just being honest, and he was like, "You know what? That was okay. What you did." Yeah, I. <laughs> no, it was one of those things that it was such. I forget what it was. Where no, I was very honest. It was a dreary few days beforehand. Yeah. And I was, you know, I needed some space, needed some time, needed some air. And it was a finally nice day out, needed to clear my head. And I said, yeah, I don't actually have a legitimate reason for not going to your class. I just, and then he was very open in that, you know, mental health and taking a a deep breath and taking a step away from your workload, education, 
Oracle or what have you is a very legitimate reason. So leave I love that. I, I love that story, Chris, so yeah. much, man. It's a good amount of humanity. You know, it, it's it doesn't take a lot to show humanity to whether yeah. it be a subordinate, um, t- uh, student, etc. Absolutely, man. That's why. That's why I just love that honesty, and I think he did the right thing. That was very courteous of him to do. So, uh, shouts mm-hmm. to people like him. I can't think, remember his name, but um, back to our past questionnaire. The le- what is your least favorite word? My least favorite word. Uh, sure. Yeah. I, I suppose that these are two very similar words, and that uh, sure is. It irks me. Sure. People people say they don't like the word moist because it just brings to mind some unpleasant thoughts. And people have different words where it sounds like it's nails on a chalkboard. But sure, it just annoys me to to no end. Dude, especially there's a big difference between sure when you text sure either with a period or nothing, then sure with an exclamation point. Oh, man. My third question for you, Chris, on the Krauss questionnaire is what turned you on in this world? And this is more of a life question. Some people think it's a sex question, but no, it's more of a life question. Like what turns you on in this world, whether laughter or nature or um, food, Sopranos? Um, turns me on. I nature, but I, I'm trying to pin it down. It's nature that you were sure that it's in perpetuity. So what I mean by that is going to a national park, for example, or going to a state park and seeing that this land is enshrined in perpetuity to be exactly that, to be just a park, not developed, not. Yeah. Man- what have you. And that because it is in perpetuity like that forever, um, that I have, I went to Zion national park recently and I love their, their logo on their, their new logo is I think is 1905 to forever. That's like their, instead, instead of like a great, just great, that's somewhere. a great marketing. Plan. Um, and so a lot of national parks are doing that, the date that they were do that. And it's a guarantee for that. And that means access for, for all individuals. That means, in sound ecological practices, sound environmental forest practices, et cetera. So safe yeah. for wildlife as well. Yeah. So I'd say my, what turns me on is um, conservation and uh, conservation in perpetuity. What a great answer, man. This land really is made for you and me. What turns you off in this world, Chris? Um. False patriotism, false patriotism in, well, I, I, I suppose just patriotism full stop in the sense that we don't really know what that means now, do we? I mean, just to harken mm-hmm. back to the, to the Capitol thing. I mean, can, can you run in with a Confederate flag in tandem with another gentleman with an, with an American flag breaking and entering into a Capitol? I don't know. Um, what about the gates of the Arctic national park and refuge in Alaska? One of the largest national parks, if not the largest I think it might be the second in the United States and one of the largest refugees refuge rather in the Arctic circle. 
acre upon acre, hundreds of thousands of, of parcels of land were sold off during the Trump administration to oil and gas and mineral mining. So who does that benefit? That benefits three or four Americans up top. But what about the countless Americans and just every person on the face of the planet is an allowed admission into our national park system. So that's false favoritism, thinking that you're going to have some sort of some crap trickle down theory that you're going to help somebody at top because they're going to make a couple medium jobs to, to completely ruin a land forever. And who are you appeasing there? So that was done on the auspices of we're making American jobs. We're making America great again. Makes America great again. So it, it's just divides us more and ruins communities. It, it does certainly. So that would be my biggest turn off. I love that answer. Number five. What sound or noise do you love, Chris? I love the sound of rain. Um, oh yeah. That's when I, when I go to bed, I ask, uh, I can't say the wake word, but Alexa <laughs> um, to play rain sounds. And that's always nice. And the last couple of nights, it's been very snowy, like rainy mix here. So I haven't been using that. And it's just nice to crack the window open and hear that. That's what I do. The exact same thing. Literally. I just have a Google play though. <laughs> what sound or noise do you hate? I believe there's an actual name to a syndrome or something attached to this. Um, I get very irrationally mad and upset in an array of negative emotions when I hear chewing or like crunching or something like that. Um, Encourage listeners, I don't know the name here. I I ought to, um, because it it, it could really range where for me, it's just a frustration. It's just like, oh, it's like nails on a chocolate or something that really annoys me. But for a lot of folks with different auditory issues um, and different uh, intellectual disabilities could have issue with these noises. So for me, it's an annoyance, but for some other folks, it could be um, a real hindrance to their day in progress. But yeah, lucky it's that and i just can't stand it i just can't like cereal potato chips straight up gross it is especially gulps after drinks uh by the way no no the word is misophenia there it is it was coined in 2001 so relatively new what's your favorite curse word chris hmm I don't know exactly if this is a curse word, but when I, I lived in the UK, I lived in Scotland for a year and a quarter, and they the British just have so many different, they have a very colorful vernacular for, for cursing. Hmm. And I like the term bollocks. It's actually the name of this, I believe, the Sex <laughs> Pistols, the second studio album, Never Mind the Bollocks. Bollocks! But yeah, see, it, it could be exclaimed. And it could be said sadly, like, oh, bollocks, you know, it's so I'm not sure if it's I think it's a curse word or maybe it's a curse word of long time ago. But nonetheless, it is it's fun to say. That's bollocks, man. I've definitely heard Monty Python say that. Yes. Or Michael Michael Caine. Penny Hill, all that good stuff. (laughs) What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? I would love to be a chef. I would love, I would yeah. adore to take up 
go to culinary school one day and either that or open a cafe or a restaurant or something like that. It, it is a, an amazing array of ingredients and preparations and endless possibilities and a great way of great form of expression as well. And to harken back to uh, the question was- earlier about like what makes DC where some hangout spots and culinary spots, it's, it's amazing to see somebody really, homing in on their craft and presenting to you and not it's not just a bit of nourishment or food it's it's an experience and to, to have it as an elevated thing and it's a great communicator as well amongst different peoples and cultures so i'd love to love to do that that was what's amazing about anthony bourdain's show that shows that exact love experience it. you were saying ah, love it, love it. oh man rest another rest in peace one of the greatest really great. writers and true Showing us this world, man. Rest in peace, indeed. What profession other than your own would you not like to do? Would I not like to do? Um, mm, God. I mean, there's a lot. Um, I'm just trying to, you know, narrow it down a bit. Of course. I, uh, You know, I, I don't know, man. I do, but I don't. Um, honestly, people who work, oh, here it is. Uh, folks who work in, um, I'm thinking of DC Metro, New York City Metro, mm-hmm. any metropolitan area and with any Metro system rather, the cleaning up of the tracks the cleaning yeah. up of the stations, even though a lot of folks have a lot to say about, well, the subway system looks disgustingly dirty. They are clean quite, quite frequently. And, oh, to, especially see, now. and to see people cleaning them and the, just all the guck and all that and having to deal with, as well as oh, angry passengers because of delays, et cetera. No, no. A lot of, a lot of rats, a lot of big ones please, too. Yeah. Yeah. And my final question for you, Chris, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear? What would you like to hear God say to you when you arrive at the pearly gates? The Wi-Fi passwords on the, on the remote and Netflix, Hulu, HBO, all that good stuff is already logged in. Uh, you're free to go. Now that does sound like heaven. Man, Chris, I know we had a bit of a, uh, we just had a look at the time for this one, but I enjoy this. There's so many more things I want to talk to about you, talk to you with, but I really hope you want to come back on again. I really enjoyed your appearance and I thought oh, this is music to my ears. Thank you so much for coming on, Chris. You know, I love you. You're just so much respect and admiration for you, Chris. And I can't wait to talk to you again. And I'm going to text you more about Sopranos rights where this is done because you're just the man. Great. I love you, man, so much. I can't wait for part two and uh, can't wait for more Sopranos and Gobble type content. Definitely. And I'm taking you up on that offer about visiting you in DC once this pandemic's free. Oh, 100%. 100%. All right, Matt. My friend. Always a pleasure. Take care. You the man, Chris. Stay safe. We love you, Chris Daly, every single one of us. What a great young man. He's going to be a great dad, a great husband, and a great friend. Chris Daly, 
Thank you so much. Just some more reminders. Don't forget to check out all exclusive content in the Productive Conversations podcast by going to our website, ProductiveConversationsPodcast.com. You can see our blog, my blogs. You can see all our podcasts, all our videos, and a bunch of other fun things. And what are those other fun things include? Our merchandise store. You can check out our merchandise store on the episode description below on all podcasting platforms and YouTube or go to Productive Conversations Podcast dot com slash merchandise and there thanks to our friends at zazzle you can check out all the amazing items up for sale regarding the productive conversations podcast you got stylish clothing you got incredible socks that are comfy you have office supplies that have our logo on it you have a lot of other miscellaneous items very sturdy bags i could talk about a million the uh, incredible things up for sale thanks to our friends at zazzle regarding our merchandise for this show and i just wanted to say thank you to our friends at zazzle for making it possible and again either go to the episode description below on all podcasting platforms and youtube or go to our site productiveconversationspodcast.com slash merchandise and also don't forget to check us out on social media we're on instagram at productive conversations podcast we're on twitter at prod convo pod we're on tiktok at productive conversations and check out all the incredible content that we have across all social media platforms and once again don't forget to like and subscribe to, to the productive conversations podcast please leave a review all criticism constructive and positive is welcome but don't forget to like and subscribe to the productive conversations podcast on all podcasting platforms and youtube we are back in 24 hours from now we have my guys doloren and bars aka the hosts of the word for word podcast we're gonna get deep we're gonna laugh there may even be some emotions possibly even a tear or two it's a real podcast it's a special podcast and we collab together for an amazing show and don't forget to check out their their show either go to dolo reacts and check out the youtube channel there or go to the word for word podcast on youtube and check out the incredible show they produce it is so so great you are gonna love these guys and they will be on tomorrow but until then I hope you're all safe. I hope you're all well. I cannot thank my guest, Chris Daly, enough. I can't thank him more. I seriously, seriously, seriously thank the guy for an incredible appearance and coming on. You were awesome. And the people I can't thank the most are you, the listeners of the Productive Conversations podcast. I love you all so much. You're all dear to me, and you all matter Thank you so much for making this show possible. You have a special place in my heart, and you are all the best. I hope you all have an incredible Wednesday. Again, we are back tomorrow, and we have a lot of great shows coming up in the future. But seriously, I'll see you all tomorrow. I thank you. I love you. And I will see you all very, very soon. Now, go have an incredible day. Peace. All she needed was some...